0: You're listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, everyone. I love, love, love this season of Advent, you know, the first part of the Christian year. So Advent, as you know simply means arrival, and uh, we can think about the advent of other things, the advent of the telephone, the advent of the airplane. But we're not talking about that, of course. We're talking about the advent of the Messiah, of the Christ child. And so we are getting ready to celebrate his birth, but in that process of preparing for that, we celebrate this time of waiting, this time of expectation, and this time of anticipation but it's, it's, a, it's a holy anticipation. It's an exciting time. It's the anticipation like you know when a child's going to be born, um, when you know that a, a gift is going to be given or a gift is going to be received. And so these are wonderful times. And it is typical for Christians at this time of year to read from Isaiah or from one of the other Hebrew prophets about the expectation of the birth of the Messiah, a deliverer who would come and deliver Israel. And so this, this passage that Donnie just read to us out of Isaiah 11 is just that, that the Spirit would be bestowed upon this one. So literally, the word Messiah and its synonym, uh, Christ, actually means anointed one, one who is anointed to be king. And your anointing is not simply an anointing with oil, but an anointing of the Spirit. That is, that this person would have a special uh, bestowal of the Spirit. Uh, They would have attributes of the Spirit. And the attributes that are listed here, uh, wisdom and understanding, might and counsel, knowledge and the fear of the Lord, right? All of those things are going to be bestowed on the Spirit, or bestowed by the Spirit, onto the Christ, onto the Messiah. And then, the Christ, the Messiah, would establish a kingdom of peace, so this is the this is the hope of Israel that one day they would live at peace at shalom right that everyone and everything would be at ease that would, there'd be no more war there would be no more struggle there'd be no more hunger right and that's that's their expectation well how is that going to happen well it's going to happen because God's going to send a deliverer and According to this passage, God's deliverer will be gifted by the Spirit with these things like wisdom and understanding and might and counsel and knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And if the leader is bestowed with these things, it's those things that he would then use to establish this beautiful and good kingdom. The passage goes on to describe what that would look like, and it expands beyond just the Jewish people into the animal kingdom. Now, i don't mean like the the park at Disney, like it started at the Magic Kingdom, it went over to Epcot over over to uh, Hollywood Studios, and eventually it made it to the Animal Kingdom. I thought you might like that better than you did. I apologize. Uh, forgive me for that comment then. It does extend to the animal kingdom, interestingly, two weeks ago or three weeks ago we were talking about a different passage in Isaiah, the end of Isaiah, where Isaiah is envisioning the new creation, right the new heaven and new earth, and in there, it's also a very peaceable kingdom. But this is much, much earlier than that. This is Isaiah chapter 11, and the peace that is coming in this kingdom, the shalom that the the Spirit is going to empower the Messiah to provide, is, is a kingdom that they've been hoping for and that they'll know it's come, not just because they're at peace, but also even the animal kingdom is at peace. And it, it talks about a wolf and a lamb and a leopard. It even talks about snakes. Like, I mean, snakes. They, they get part of the, they're, they're okay too? Like a child will put his hand over, you know, over the, the door or the hole to an asp, right? And, and no one will be hurt. But there, there's something really remarkable here. I just want to, I want to flip to it again. This is Isaiah 11. We just heard it. But all of this hope, all of this expectation that the Jews heard from their prophets and that they would have repeated year after year after year after year as they were waiting for the coming of the Messiah, as they were waiting for the birth of a Christ child who would come and, and establish a kingdom, right? One of the most remarkable things comes at the very end of the passage. So it starts off with a a description of the Messiah as the descendant of Jesse and of David. A a root. And from the root, there's a branch. And from this branch, all of these good things are going to be affected. More, perhaps, than they could have anticipated, because it's not just good news for the Jews. Apparently, Apparently, it's also good news for the animals. But the very last verse provides a plot twist that I don't think anybody would have been anticipating. And this is it. Isaiah chapter 11, just that last verse, verse 10. In that day the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting resting place shall be glorious. So that might not sound as a huge plot twist, but when it says the nations will rally to him, well, the nations, the Gentiles, the Edomites, the Anamites, the, the Philistines, the Egyptians, the Babylonians, the Syrians, the Assyrians, the Persians, all those other nations were Israel's enemies. That's who Israel was afraid of. That's who, when Israel prayed to God, Israel was praying, God, protect us from our enemies. Like, the, the Messiah that Christ was supposed to come and deliver us from our enemies. And now this prophet promises a Messiah who has all of these gifts of the Spirit and that when that person comes, a hope beyond the hope that you could have hoped for is a peace that will expand beyond your imagination. Not just into the animal kingdom, but even to the point of including the social and religious and ethnic and national other, the Gentiles. The nations will rally to him. There's a passage out of Romans that is paired with this passage today in the lectionary. It's Romans chapter 15. It's it's right at the end of Paul's, um, Paul's letter to the Romans. And I just want to read a bit of this to you as well. This is Romans 15, beginning in verse 4. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Just so you don't miss this, Paul's wrapping up his letter to the Romans, and he's saying, look, our Scriptures, what Christians would call the Old Testament, but of course... Jews don't call it the Old Testament. They would just call it the Scriptures. (laughs) Our Scriptures, the Law, the Prophet, and the Writings, has been written down so that we might have hope. And now he's going to talk about that hope and what what that looks like. He says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then. Therefore, accept one another. You see, Christ loves you. But Christ also loves those people who you might not love. Christ died for you, but Christ also died for those people you might think should be excluded. And this is saying, because we have one mind and one voice in the glory of God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, accept one another, just as Christ accepted you, in order to be in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so the Jews are included so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed. And moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. So the Gentiles are included. So I don't know everybody's ethnic background. I'm not asking you to identify yourself today. But <clears throat> whether you're Jewish or whether you're not Jewish, <laughs> that would include all of you now, right? <laughs> you're, you're in this group that Paul's talking about. And now Paul had just told us, that the scriptures give us encouragement for this. And he's going to list three of them. The first, or excuse me, four of them. The first one comes from 2 Samuel, and it's also quoted in a psalm, in Psalm 18. And it says this, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. So we get in 2 Samuel, and again in Psalms, this idea that God's name will be praised amongst the Gentiles, not simply amongst the Jews. Again, it says, this is now Deuteronomy 32. Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. Unfortunately, Paul doesn't tell us where he's finding this. Apparently, I guess he thought we should just know it or we could look it up or something. But I'm telling you where these are from. That first one was 2 Samuel, the second one's from Deuteronomy. Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And I'm imagining that's most of you. Rejoice, pagans. (laughs) Just kidding. That's just another translation of that word. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> now, Psalm, Psalm 117. This is the third of, of four, times he's, he's, or four different texts he's citing. Again he says, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. And then his fourth and final verse, and this is probably why the folks who prepare the lectionary have paired this passage from Romans 15 to the one in Isaiah 11. He quotes Isaiah 11. He says, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him the Gentiles will hope. Now, that wasn't in the passage that Donnie read for us, not exactly. And here's just a little history lesson. Originally, when the book of Isaiah was written and read, it was written in Hebrew. And the translation we have in our English translation is of the Hebrew. But in Paul's day, their most common translation they read from was a a Greek translation of the Hebrew. And in that translation, they've translated it just slightly differently as opposed to the Messiah simply standing and being a sign. They say he he is a sign of hope for the nations. That's how the the Greek translation came. And that's the version that Paul's citing. So just, just so you don't miss it again, may the, uh, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will rise to rule over the nations, and him the Gentiles will hope. And then it ends with a benediction here. Sounds like Michal. Uh, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the same Spirit that anoints the Messiah to have knowledge and wisdom and counsel and might and understanding and fear the Lord. Like the same spirit that anoints the Messiah, Paul says, now infills us. So I love that. I want to to do that benediction again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Look, Nothing could have been more surprising to the people, um, to Paul's contemporaries, than the fact that when the Messiah came, there was going to be a radical inclusion of the Gentiles. That, That was really just beyond their imagination. And Paul, as a as a young, younger apostle, really made this point. One of his first letters, he's writing to the church in Galatia, and he says. We're neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. We are all one in Christ. Later in Paul's life, much later, an older Paul, in prison, near the end of his life, he's writing to the church in Colossia, and he says pretty much the same thing. We're neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, bar- barbarian, Scythian, da-da-da-da-da-da, right? It's kind of a longer version of it. But in between the young Paul who said that and the old Paul who said that was a middle-aged Paul, I'm going to imagine he was roughly 51. (laughs) Arbitrary number I just grabbed out of the air there. And then he wrote to Romans. And his letter to the Romans is not so brief as Galatians and Colossians. It's this long extended letter. But it opens like this. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the power of God to salvation, first to the Jew and then to the Greek. And for a long time in my life, I misunderstood that passage because I thought it meant that first to the Jew and then to the Greek. Like somehow God had chosen the Jews and then, well, I guess we'll just take some extra people down here, right? But I don't think that's it at all. I don't think it's first the Jew and to the Greek and as though God has like second class citizens or God has his real children, but then, you know, he's got these extra kids in the neighborhood who just come over sometime. But no, it's like this. It's, it's a historical statement. Chronologically, the good news of God, the salvation provided by God, came that way. Paul is not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation. First to the Jew, like Abraham and his descendants, and then to the Greek, which now includes all those who now believe in Jesus, the one descendant of Abraham and of David, who came and lived through and was faithful in all those things. So, not all of you grew up in the same church that I grew up in, but I think this is fairly common. And and, um, in church, uh, children's church, like our Upstreet, we sometimes teach our children to sing this song about Father Abraham. And they, it's a, if they have them stand up and sit down, and they move lots of their body parts. It's very repetitive. And we're not going to do it here today, so you can stay in your seats. I know, you're disappointed. But um, we do it, well, frankly, we do it partially because sermons often go too long, and the poor folks who run children's churches have to get the energy out of the kids. But that's a side note, sidebar. But the message of it is this, that the one that God originally promised a covenant to is fulfilled not just in his biological descendants, because after all, his first biological descendant was was Ishmael, not Isaac. And Isaac's first biological descendant was Esau, not Jacob. And so that should have given us a cue from the very beginning that something different was, was afoot. Something was up. But the promise that was to Abraham, Father Abraham had many sons and daughters, and many sons and daughters had Father Abraham. Right? We all become a part of that. Because the gospel is first to the Jew and then to the Greek. And in case you missed it, Paul ends his letter saying pretty much exactly the same thing when he says, Accept one another just as Christ accepted you in order to be praised to God. For I tell you, Christ became a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth so that the promises made to the patriarchs, like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, might be confirmed. And moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy. We have made a fatal flaw We have come to believe that somehow the faith is simply about knowing what's right and wrong and knowing who's in and who's out. This is exactly what they were doing. The Jews were in and the Gentiles were out. There wasn't much humility there, right? We thought the faith was about certainty. But I think the faith is not so much about certainty, it's not even so much about knowing in that sense. It's about trusting. It's about having some humility. I mean, Jesus will say, Judge not, lest you be judged. And we're like, hmm, I wonder what Jesus meant by that. But let me put a very fine point on it for you today. God is so interested in you not being holier than thou and trying to judge who's in and who's out, that the very first thing he said to humans is, You see this tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Don't eat of it. Don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It will kill you. And yet we think, you know what would be really good? Knowing right from wrong. Now that's a virtue. You know what would be really good? What would make me a good Christian? If I would know which one of you are going to heaven and which one of you are going to hell, so I can tell you. Right. We embody the problem of the original humans And we treat it as though it's some virtue in our faith. We are to trust God. God is a good king and a good judge. And a fair judge. He'll take care of the poor and the meek. That was on the list of the Messiah who is so filled with the spirit. What will that one do? He will judge rightly for the poor. And he will provide for the meek. It Seems like I've heard that part of the story too. We have to resist, not unlike Adam and Eve, that original temptation not to think that we just have to know everything and put our trust in God. Pete Enns, he's a New Testament scholar that I really like, wrote a book called The Sin of Certainty. <laughs> think of that. Or Another theologian I love says this. We quoted it um, Wednesday night in Bible study that <clears throat> the opposite of faith is not Doubt but certainty. When you have faith, sometimes you will doubt. That's just part of what faith is because faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's evidence of things not seen. It's a different form of knowing. It's a knowing that's related to trust, that's related to humility, that's related to love. And that requires a level of patience. It requires a level of waiting. Or we might even say it requires a level of expectation and anticipation, which is really what Advent is all about. We have hope. Last week we lit a peace candle. This week we lit a hope candle. Next week we're going to light a joy candle. And the week after that we're going to light a love candle. Peace, hope, joy, and love. These are the verbs of Advent, right? These are the actions of Advent. And this is what we can hope for because we have a a Messiah who is so filled with the Spirit who is bringing a peace that will set us at ease, at ease with God, between us and God, at ease with ourselves so that we're not battling ourselves at ease with one another, and at ease with the very earth on which we live. This, my friends, is good news. And it is a great gift. And it is worth waiting for. Amen. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast.